You're listening to Sacks in the Basement, a production of the Broadcast Basement Limited, where every show is 30 minutes of good and comes from a basement bar on the south side of Chicago. Pull up a stool, pour a cold one, and join us right now for Sacks in the Basement. Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always at SacksInTheBasement.com. And I am not bellied up to the nine-foot homemade oak bar because Chris isn't here. It's just me. It's just Ed. But it is still Socks in the Basement. It is still 30 minutes of White Sox talk. For fans, by fans. Brought to you by Cork and Carry. Of course, two locations for Cork and Carry. The fabulous award-winning menu of burgers and ballpark favorites at Cork and Carry at the Park, 33rd and Princeton, in the shadow of the ballpark. Your home base for White Sox pregame, postgame, and viewing parties. We were out there on opening day. It was fantastic. It was packed. It was wonderful. And if you're looking for something a little more chill, the weather's getting a little bit better, don't forget Cork and Carry Beverly at 10614 Southwestern Avenue. Traditional Irish bar in the Beverly neighborhood. Great outdoor patio and bar. They got event rooms. So, hey, check them out, corkandcarry.com. See more about both locations and book your next event right then and there. So, wow. Okay, so we're, we're done with the Astros. We get the split. The Giants come in, and oh boy, you know, you get that opening day route where Michael Kopech looks terrible, back-to-back-to-back-to-back home runs, you get the last game of the series, they get absolutely obliterated, although to be fair, four runs being charged to Hans or Alberto is probably, you know, it makes the bottom line look a little, a little bit worse than it was, it could have been a 12-6 game very easily, but still, there's a lot of reason to be negative right now, right? We're looking at this and we're going, their pitching is bad. Michael Kopech and Lance Lynn get lit up, even though Lynn looked good when he faced the Astros. So I'm not really worried about Kopech and Lynn, right? Because Michael Kopech, he'll be fine. He will have better starts. He had a bad day. Even warming up, watching him on the home opener. I had a good vantage point. I was in the club seats with Chris. We're looking down as he's warming up and we're looking at his body language. We're like, yeah, this, that's not a guy who feels it today, Okay. And that's what Kopech was. He, he just didn't have it on the home opener. And Lance Lynn didn't have it. You know, as you're listening you know, to this on Friday, he didn't have it on Thursday. The bullpen is exactly what we thought they were, okay? There's no reason to be negative about this because it's not new news. We knew going into the season the bullpen was going to be a little bit of a mess. It was going to take some sorting out. Pedro was going to have to figure out how to use guys. And we saw him use Ronaldo Lopez as a closer to mixed effect. We saw him use Ronaldo Lopez in a key high leverage situation, however, where he was not closing the game, and it worked out very well, okay? So there's a lot to be worked out yet, but it's not something that you panic about. You don't panic about Jose Ruiz. You know Jose Ruiz isn't any good, but you don't panic about him. So Sox fans already feeling the negativity boiling up. There's some good here, okay? There is some real good stuff here. And there's some positives that you can take away from the start of the season. Let's start with the obvious one. The fact that Liam Hendricks has rang the victory bell at his doctor's office and he has closed out cancer. Chemo treatments are done, which means he can now physically rebuild. He can get back to baseball activities. He can come back sooner than we ever anticipated is a wonderful, wonderful thing for the bullpen. And the bullpen, again, it's a mess. There's guys to be sorted out. We don't know what everybody is or what they're going to be. We are aware that Ronaldo Lopez and Aaron Bummer are probably the two best relievers on the team. 
But they get slotted differently when Leon ha- Le- We know that Aaron Bummer and Ronaldo Lopez are probably the two best relievers on the team, and they get slotted better when Liam Hendricks comes back, right? Now they are setup guys. We know that Pedro's tried to lean on Kendall Graveman in the early going. We know that he hasn't really used guys in the way he hopes to be able to use them either. We've seen Jake Diekman in both some high leverage and some very low leverage situations. We have seen Joe Kelly mostly in the low leverage type of a situation. We've seen him try and use Gregory Santos. We've seen him playing with guys. But when Liam comes back, all of a sudden he's got more options, okay? So this is a positive change, and this is a positive thing that we were not expecting as White Sox fans, and we should be cheering for it, okay? The other aspects that are are really positive here are how the team is fighting, and they are fighting, okay? When I'm watching on the home opener, and there's a dust-up at first base between Andrew Vaughn and Anthony DiSclefani, who is the starting pitcher for the Giants. And it comes out later that it's just Vaughn is chirping at DiSclefani because on a 3-0 count, he threw him a slider, and that's why he had that ugly-looking grounder to first. That's Andrew Vaughn voicing some frustration. That's Andrew Vaughn sitting there kind of going, hey, Disco, you know, this is not, what are you doing? It's kind of a Bush League move, throwing me a slider on 3-0. Vaughn says some not nice things. DiSclefani says something back. Okay, guys have words. There's fight there, though. Okay, Andrew Vaughn is frustrated. He's venting it. And look, I don't know that he's right. I, I think DiSclefani can throw whatever he wants on 3-0. That's that's not a fight. I don't know that we necessarily need to be making as the White Sox or as White Sox fans that we need to die on that hill. But look, the fact is, is that Vaughn didn't just roll over. The team didn't really roll over. He's still chirping at the other team about stuff. Same thing when Tim Anderson gets ejected. He gets booted by the ump because he's chirping at the ump about not giving him his time out. But Logan Webb, again, starting pitcher for the Giants, comes out later and says, I don't think T.A. should have been ejected. He's talking to me, right? He's not talking to the ump. He's talking to me. And what he's saying is, is that Webb was Bush League because when the ump didn't give Tim Anderson his time out, Webb quick pitched him because Webb is standing there waiting. He's ready to go. And Anderson's got to hurry up and get engaged, and he's not quite ready, and Webb can recognize that. Well, look, Logan Webb is free to do whatever he wants. He's got to respect the pitch clock, too. And he didn't quick pitch him because the ump didn't call it, and that would have been something that would have been a call that the ump could have made. Webb's not necessarily in the wrong as far as the rules are concerned, but Tim Anderson is fighting back. And last year, this team did not do that. Last year, what this team did was it rolled over. So the other piece of negativity that comes out of this, though, is Aloy Jimenez is hurt. He's pulled a hamstring. And in other news, grass is green, the sky is blue, day starts in the morning and ends when night comes at night. I, you know, th- There's all sorts of things that are going to happen in this world that we should just accept as being fact. And Aloy Jimenez hurting himself is, is just fact at this point. But look, it's April. It is the first week of the season. It's a little ridiculous that he's already on the injured list, but at the same time, I want the White Sox to be cautious with this guy. If he feels a tweak, let him rest. Sit him down, open up the roster spot, bring up Jake Berger. That's exactly what you need to do. What we don't need is a guy playing through it, okay? I was reading about Trevor Larnick of the Twins, who last year felt a tweak in his groin, played through it, 
ended up having massive abdominal surgery, cost him his entire season, absolutely ruined him. And all it was was he didn't sit down when he needed to. Aloy's a proud guy. Aloy's not going to sit down. He doesn't want to not play the field. He wants, wants to be out there in the outfield. He doesn't want to be a DH. The team needs to handle him firmly, and I'm, I'm glad he's on the I.L. I'm not glad that his hamstrings hurt. I'm not glad that this is another injury conversation we're having about him, but I am happy, I am happy that he is being treated with kid gloves. I want this to happen now. I don't want this to happen in August or September, but right now, again, I'm not worried about it. It is something that we knew was going to happen at some point. I'm just happy it happened at the first week because we're just hopefully getting it out of the way and we can focus on other things like Jose Ruiz and how long until he gets replaced by somebody pretty, pretty please, Rick. Well, if you need to replace something like your exterior windows, doors, patio doors, and storm doors, you could do no better than going to Window and Door Superstore of Oak Forest. There are no high-pressure sales. Not in your kitchen, in their showroom with full examples, glass designs on display. They're not coming to you with just a few things. You get to see everything that they have available. Forget pictures in a book. See it in person. Right up close. Owners in showroom and at the site. All Window and Door Superstore installers. They don't farm out the work. Who you work with in the showroom is who you work with at your house. 40 years in Oak Forest since 1985. All major brands, custom made, no stock items. Everything's a perfect fit. Go and visit them, one half block east of 159th and Ridgeland at 6280 159th Street. That's windowdooroakforest.com. So Socks in the Basement is part of the Broadcast Basement On Demand Radio Network. And what does that mean for you? Well, that means that we are part of a team. And as part of a team, sometimes we get the advantage of our teammates covering the teams that the White Sox are playing. So the White Sox get a nice little reprieve this weekend by going out to Pittsburgh and taking on the Pirates. And I say it's a nice little reprieve because the Astros are the reigning world champs. The Giants are a veteran team that's going to try and compete in one of the most stacked divisions in baseball in the NL West. But the Pirates are the Pittsburgh Pirates. They're in a rebuild. And joining us now from Bucks in the Basement is our teammate out in Pittsburgh, Mr. Craig Toth. Brought to you by the Village of Lamont. If you want to experience a downtown with real history, great eats and drinks, and green spaces filled with adventure, visit the Village of Lamont. Shop, dine, drink, explore. Visit lamontdowntown.com for all the latest info as to what's going on down there and what you can do. So, Craig, let's talk a little bit about what the Pirates bring to their series with the White Sox. How are the Pirates doing? Because I know they're kind of in a perpetual rebuild. At least that's the way it feels as an outsider. So first of all, first off, thank you for having me on. Second, I've never been brought to by a village to anywhere, so I'm I'm pretty excited about that. So I'm brought by the village of Lamont. I got to get out uh, there. At it some takes point a village. I'm, it takes a village to bring people into us. So yeah, and the the other part is is that I mean we already swept one Sox team, so I think that we should just keep that going and then sweep another Sox team uh, coming up here this weekend. I mean, just make it a, a Sox sweep. Uh, week opening week here in baseball so you're just basically saying like 
you know, like a, a very busy, harried mom with a bunch of kids just start sweeping socks until you, you don't see them anymore. Yeah, especially the mismatched ones. If we could do that with the mismatched socks, we'll just sweep that away too. Sorry, Ed. Got to take a little crack at you there, but I, I do read yeah, that. Nice, nice, nice bringing my blog into it. So, um, so yeah, how do they, uh, now the Red Sox are also, they're not, they're not in a position this year where they were going to necessarily contend, but the Pirates came out and, and looked really pretty good against them so what are you guys excited about out there well the big thing right now is is if we can get starting pitching going when when i did the show with chris just the other day we were talking about getting mitch keller going and mitch keller went seven strong innings uh yesterday against the the red sox but you won't see him you know this weekend as it comes through the rotation it looks like you'll probably see uh rich hill uh probably your your old fat friend in in vince velasquez uh, and then probably, I mean, I'm thinking maybe like a, a Johan Oviedo with uh, with there being no JT Brubaker. Uh, so, I mean, you're going to get to see an old man, a guy that you guys had put in the starting rotation, dropped down to the bullpen, and, and were looking to do the exact same thing. And then Johan Oviedo, who got absolutely destroyed and lit up by the Red Sox uh, in the first inning of the series which was really the only runs that we gave up <laughs> in that series uh, outside of, you know, Mitch Keller giving up one, uh, Rowanzi Contreras just basically torching uh, the Red Sox. So you guys have a, a good shot here because none of those guys have, have pitched very well so far this season. So that's really the Achilles heels for, for the Pirates is, is you have a starting rotation that seems to be Mitch Keller and a bunch of patchwork. So, I mean, that's going to be the story is if you can get the starters going, you know, consistently five, six innings, saving that bullpen, then it might be, you know, some good stuff. And, and keeping the offense, you know, led by Brian Reynolds at this moment uh, to be, I don't know, a, a little bit more consistent because we we've had consistency and inconsistency from the offense. We seem to explode certain games and then other games, uh, you know, the, the reds <laughs> stifle us to, for like one run, uh, two games in a row. So there's, there's a lot to be done here. A lot of young guys, but we're also feeling in with some veterans, uh, names that people will will notice. We're not the hodgepodge of nothingness that Dennis Eckersley called us last year. You know, we do have a Carlos Santana. We do have Andrew McCutcheon back, uh, G-Man Choi, Connor Joe, um, Austin Hedges, once his concussion uh, is dealt with because he, he got a concussion in the first series. We do have some, you know, some names. A Rich Hill that I mentioned. Everybody knows Rich Hill. He's been around for 18 years. If you've watched baseball any time in the past 18 years, you know who Rich Hill is. Rich Hill's only been around for 18 years. I feel like it's longer. I feel like Rich Hill like made an appearance in the 1980 World Series for the Dodgers or something like that. He just he he seems to be ageless at this point. Yeah, he he definitely is. So I mean, there's a, there's a lot of stuff you guys are going to be watching. If we can get Cabrian Hayes back on track, hopefully he's going to show good defense. You're going to see six foot seven, you know, shortstop the unicorn in O'Neill Cruz. Uh, G1 Bay is, has become in this first week one of you know the surprise players. Everybody knew that he had it in him to be one of those more small contact, you know, small ball guys. But he put one over the monster, uh, an Oppo Taco. So um, it should be a, a very interesting series to watch. There's going to be some names that White Sox you know, fans notice, but there's going to be some new ones that you know you're going to have to you know get adjusted to. So with the White Sox rebuild, 
not a rebuild that it was. It, you know, you look at the White Sox farm system right now, and it's ranked 26. Pirates are ranked eighth. The other thing that was was frustrating for White Sox fans was that we were told the money would be spent when the when the window opened, right? When the the youth came through, Rick was going to be able to spend money, and he was going to be able to, to to do this. And now we've got flags flying on the home opener <laughs> on the parking lot with Jerry Reinsdorf with a clown nose and it says sell the team Jerry apparently available to amazon.com you can buy a sell the team Jerry flag so Sox fans have had it with Jerry Reinsdorf and feel like he nickels and dimes but I know that's nothing in comparison to what you guys have with Bob Nutting well I mean before we jumped on here we, we were making the comparison and I was thinking god Pirates fans would would actually love to have Jerry Reinsdorf as an owner. Not that he spends to the level that he probably could, but he spends to a higher level than Bob Nutting. And and you look at what Pirates fans want. Um, we want him to to sign Brian Reynolds to an extension. Not sure if that's going to happen yet. When this drops, hopefully, you know, opening day, uh, the home opener uh, tomorrow in Pittsburgh, they can announce that beforehand before we play the White Sox. That would be amazing. But other than that, I mean, we signed Cabrian Hayes uh, to an extension. And we look at, you know, the White Sox. You, you know, ink Yohan Moncada to a deal. Ink Luis Robert to a deal. Ink Loy Menez to a deal. Aaron Bummer uh, to a little bit of an extension. Giving out a little bit of that money is what, you know, we did during our previous rebuild when we signed McCutcheon. Marte, uh, Polanco. And I think that people want to see that happen. And at that point in time, the, the salaries, it will naturally go, everything will naturally go up. Like, so our payroll will naturally go up with that, with the players reaching arbitration, a Mitch Keller, a JT Brubaker, um, guys that, you know, take that step, uh, next season, it will happen. But I don't think we'll ever get to the White Sox level of spending. So at that point in time, is it is it more about you know the White Sox uh, not spending smart in some areas, giving that extension to a you know a Luria Garcia, you know? <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> We, 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 I, I, I think we got to make a vow never to say Larry Garcia on, on this <laughs> show again. Just get his name out of our mouth. But, but that is, that's been an issue with the White Sox is that Jerry will spend, but the spending has seemed to have been poorly done. So it, it, now does he spend on the stadium and like on the, on the fan experience? Cause that's the other, that's the other thorn in White Sox fan sides is that we feel like. Yeah, the team kind of cuts corners when it comes to what happens at the ballpark. They talk a good game, but do you guys have that problem with, with your park too, where you feel like, hey, the nickel and diming isn't just on the payroll, it's it's everywhere, you know, well, it's spread across? Well, that's, I mean, people do have a problem with our president, Travis Williams. Travis Williams, a lot of people may not, you know, unless you're a hockey fan, you wouldn't know that he was, you know, in that same position with the Pittsburgh Penguins for a number of years, got us a new arena, uh, got a job with, I believe it was the New York Islanders to be able to spend, you know, and, and but his thing has always been like the fan experience. He is a business operations guy. Ben Charrington is a baseball operations guy. Yes, you know, as the business operations guy, he does have some oversight as to what the spending will be, but you can't really complain about what they've done 
with the ballpark. Um, he negotiated with the sports authority to get us a much needed update to our scoreboard. I mean, our scoreboard was the same scoreboard that they put in when the stadium opened in 2001. Got us this brand new, like, you know, HD scoreboard has put in, uh, people always said, you know, we, we want to watch the players at the, at the bullpen and all the, uh, security would shuffle them along. Well, what did they do? They put seats in there so people can actually sit and they have a little area they can put their drink at and stuff and watch the bullpen, uh, built new bars. They have upgraded, you know, the food they've upgraded, you know, everything that they possibly can. So the baseball, uh, experience other than on the field <laughs> has actually been, you know, since, uh, you know, we got rid of Huntington, brought in Charrington, brought in Travis Williams, got rid of Frank Coonley, our president, has been a better thing. Now, of course, you know, Travis Williams, when they actually interviewed him, just basically stuck his foot in his mouth saying that, you know, when people are going home, they're going to say, uh, I want to go back again, even if my team lost and people rightfully so lit him up for that. I mean, you, you can't because that that seems to be pretty common. Yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't everything he said before that, everything he's done before that uh, he's done well on the business side of things. Socks in the basement listeners do the hard work. And if you're a hardworking man or woman on the South side, you need to be outfitted properly. And that's why you should visit red wing shoes in Evergreen Park, New Lenox, and Geneva. A work boots specialty store that carries sizes from 6 to 16 and feet as wide as 4E. A 115-year-old company that came out of Red Wing, Minnesota, and one of its largest stores in the entire Midwest is in Evergreen Park, Illinois, ever since 1976. When you're on your feet, the footwear is everything. So why not get an expert fitting? They warranty, repair, and offer free conditioning with laces. And they also carry Carhartt work clothing as well. Located at 3347 West 95th Street in Evergreen Park, Illinois, at 208 East Maple Street on Route 30 in New Lenox, or at 1749 South Randall Road in Geneva. Visit them today. You work hard. You've earned it. Red Wing Shoes. From Bucks in the Basement, Craig Toth. You know, maybe we should just ditch Chris and you and I can do like Mets in the Basement and we'll just spend Steve Cohen's money. <laughs> That's what I was, I was telling Chris. I'm like, if if uh, we don't, if we have to talk about Brian Reynolds one more time, that I'm just going to pick a different team for that day and just do something else. I mean, Mets in the Basement would be fun. Although I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if they spent all their money well because they spent it on a bunch of old guys like, like, like me that could probably break down halfway through the season. Oh yeah, I've I've got probably the same weird armpit muscle sprain that Justin Verlander has, except I did it drinking beer instead of throwing pitches. <laughs> yeah, you did you did it at the, at the nine, nine foot homemade oak bar. You didn't do it like you know throwing fastballs. No, and my fastball at this point, I think I I think I might be able to give Rich Hill a, a run for his money. We'll see. We'll see when he comes to town. So yeah, man, I'm I'm looking forward to it. I anybody that doesn't know my my wife is a diehard White Sox fan, so you guys will be proud and happy to know and she said she's not even going since the pirates are supposedly having a blackout since they're bringing back uh, aj burnett and russell martin for the first pitch andrew mccutcheon's back neil walker and uh the fort McHenry are you know two of our announcers uh that she is going old school blue red and white 
White Sox. So look for her on the broadcast. Uh, we should be somewhere in center field. Uh, and she's, she's going to be cheering for the White Sox. All right. So, yeah. So if you're watching the Sox and the Pirates this weekend and you see somebody out in the center field, uh, the center field seats that is wearing an 83 uniform, tune into Bucks in the Basement. You can listen to her husband and Chris talk about the Pirates. Greg, I don't know that we have to have you back next week because the White Sox and Pirates won't be pay- playing each other. But uh, I suppose if uh, you can do a good Chris Lanuti impression, we can have you on and, and he can just stay out on the beach where he's at. I just got to keep laughing like he laughs. I got to I got to work on that. It's a distinct laugh. It, really it is, is very distinct. And it is that time for the soccer Dave Marin to make his weekly appearance for us. Dave, what do you got for us today? Ed, I'm making a change to the lineup card and extending our preview of the 2023 White Sox by one session to take a look at rookie manager Pedro Grafal. Not to brag, but Grafal has been on my radar for about four years. After the 2019 season, I asked a longtime baseball executive for under-the-radar managerial candidates, and Grafal's name came up immediately. Flash forward to 2023, and he's the Sox bench coach. It was an intriguing hire, not only because Grafal is a relative unknown, but because he was the first manager hired from outside the Sox family since Gene Lamont came on board in 1992. And while you wouldn't think of Grafal as a wonderkin at age 52, he did succeed 77-year-old Tony LaRussa, and that 25-year decrease in age from one skipper to the next is the largest in Sox history. Maybe the most interesting thing about Grafal's background was that he managed the 2005 Sox. That is the 2005 Everett Aqua Sox, a Class A affiliate of the Seattle Mariners. Grafal's Sox career got off to a nice start with a 3-2 win over reigning World Series champion Houston in the opener. Prior to Pedro, the last full-time Sox manager to win his debut was Jerry Manuel in 1997. In Downing Houston, Grafal became the third manager to win his debut against the defending World Series champions and the first to do that since the Yankees' Lou Pinella inaugurated his career with a win over Kansas City in 1986. In addition, Grafal was the first manager to succeed in his debut on the defending champs' home turf since 1915 when the Phillies' Pat Moran defeated the Boston Braves. Now, bad news. Grafal was just the seventh Sox manager to drop his home debut in a home opener. Among those who suffered this indignity were Bob Lemon, Jeff Torborg, and Rich Renteria. The other 16 Sox managers whose home debut was in a home opener were victorious. And this one's tough, Ed. Grafal and the Sox absorbed the worst loss in a home opener, nine runs on Monday, since the team took a 16 to nothing beating at the hands of the Tigers in the first game in the current park. And my zinger is not about Pedro, but one of his coaches. Best I can tell, bench coach Charlie Montoya is really an outlier over the last 75 years or so of Sox history. Discounting interims or fill-ins, Montoya, who guided the Blue Jays from 2019 to 2022, is just the third former manager to serve as a coach for the Sox. The others are Bobby Winkles, who joined the Sox staff after since in California and Oakland, and Doug Rader, who was the Sox coach twice, sandwiched around jobs in Texas and California. So there it is, Ed. Probably more than you wanted to know about Pedro. But it's all good stuff to know. And now everybody can go out and win bar bets about the new Sox manager. That's my goal. You know that. Well, thank you very much, Dave. And we look forward to what you got for us next week. Thank you.
The Sox nerd Dave Marin brought to you by Parenti and Norum. If you've been injured at work or out there in the public, you need a team that does what it takes to fight for your rights. Law offices of Parenti and Norum has the experience, dedication, and proven results to get you what you deserve. Over $400 million recovered for their clients and their loved ones. If you need a free case evaluation, if you've been injured, call or text them today at 312-641-5926. That's 312-641-5926 or visit pninjurylaw.com. So we'll be back with Chris next week. He'll be on a beach from Florida, but that's okay. Uh, we'll have hopefully seen the White Sox do some damage against the Pirates team that doesn't spend like Jerry Reinsdorf spends. So I guess we got that. Thanks, of course, to Craig Toss from Bucks in the Basement. Thanks, of course, to the Sox nerd Dave Marin. And, uh, hey, let's not panic, folks. It's early yet, and we still know that Aloy Jimenez will always get hurt. Jose Ruiz will always be our least favorite reliever. And if nothing else, if there's nothing else to cling on to for this early part of the season, it's that there's always a chance that Tim Anderson will get ejected for yelling at a pitcher. So, see, we can be positive. We've learned some things. This is good. This is good. This is Socks in the Basement. 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 Heard everywhere podcasts can be found and always on socksinthebasement.com.